We shall go on to the end. We shall not flag or fail. We shall fight on the seas and oceans. We shall defend our isle, whatever the cost may be. We shall never surrender. Then they shall save us. Never have so many. Where are leaders like that today? Like Robin of Loxley. The real one, though, from Robin Hood Men in Tights, not the Kevin Costner one. Anyways, this is Brandon. Dave normally joins me. Tonight, I am all alone by myself. And you know what? I've done this so many times. I've done this. Dave, where are you? When everybody needs you, Dave, you've been in the market longer than me. You're, you're balder than me, and you're older than me. Which, by the way, that means that all equals out to basically just meaning that you have more money than me. Which means you owe me a dinner. Doing the show by myself, you owe me a dinner. I edit, you owe me a dinner. Nothing cheap either. I have, a, I have an expensive palate. How about the Golden Lamb? Or uh, Montgomery Inn? I'll take Montgomery Inn. I'll be cheap. Let's do Montgomery Inn. But you know what? I really don't want to go out. I don't like going places, so let's DoorDash it. Simply because it would be hilarious to DoorDash something so expensive. But... Also, because I don't, I don't like being around people. Just let me stay home. Let me play my video games. And let's DoorDash some Montgomery Inn, okay? To my house, Dave. On your credit card. Or debit card. Or whatever. I don't care. Sell some stocks. Buy me some food, okay? <sighs> wow. This week has been crazy. Wow. Efficient market theory be damned. I have ranted about efficient market theory... Many times on the show, and man, if you still believe in the efficient market theory after this week, I mean, just a few days ago, we were pricing in the nuclear catastrophe, the end of the world, and now we're saying, eh, it might just be $5 a gallon, might not be too bad. The market is, the market this week, it was like, you know, like a toddler crying, and it cried so much it gave itself a headache, so it stopped crying. That's what it felt like. Uh, efficient market theory is such a, uh, it's a terrible, it's a terrible way for people to sell their services. You can pick individual stocks and you can be just fine. Most people aren't though when they do it. That's unfortunate. It's very unfortunate. Most of the money, not just from retail investors, but from bigwig investors too. Uh, you know, wealth does not equal intelligence. Most of the m money in the market is dumb. I was just reading a book, I'm still in the process of reading it, Howard Marks. I mentioned him so many times on this podcast, too. He's one of my favorite investors, big influence in my life. read a few of his books already, and I'm starting on Mastering the Market Cycle. This is in that book and an investor uh, memo that he wrote as well sometime in 2004. He said, the truth is that the market spends very little time in the median. And here he's describing the market as a pendulum that swings from extremes, from one side to the other. And he says it spends very little time in the median. Most of the time it is either towards the bearish or bullish trend and oftentimes on the extremes. That's because people have a hard time managing their emotions. And if you think I'm wrong... Still, I you must not have been paying to attention to the market the past two weeks because it has been crazy. And hey, if you've had some capital aside, you know, I've been relatively bearish the past few months here. And I even did a whole show with Dave and he disagreed with me. But where I said that new investors 
should not get involved. And here I'm saying, you know, I'm starting to get a little more aggressive. Today we had a huge rally, so I didn't put anything to work. But over the past couple of days, I have put some money to work in this market. And you can buy some good companies at good discounts right now. And you know what? Listen, if you're afraid of a nuclear war, hey, if we have a nuclear war, none of this is going to matter anyways. Not your dollar, not your cash, not your stocks, not this podcast. None of it's going to None of it's going to work. So, you know, if if we don't have a nuclear war, you're going to come out of this okay. We have to learn to see the forest through the trees. At some point, the situation is going to end. We don't know when, but that's okay because you're buying stocks you're on this show, you know, if you're if you're buying and selling options, uh, man, this Oh, got some guts in this uh, in this environment. Personally, I would be weighted more towards selling the options, selling the premiums in this kind of environment because premiums go up with implied volatility, and implied volatility is wacko right now. Uh, I'm sure you can find some opportunity, you know, to buy some puts or or calls whenever, but generally, generally in this kind of environment, selling. Selling premium is your best opportunity. But anyways, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about buying stocks. And we're talking about seeing the forest through the trees. And I said, we don't know when this situation is going to end, but that is okay. If you're buying stocks, your greatest weapon is time. Now, that's really... There's some nuance to that. If you're buying terrible stocks, then time may work against you and you may go to zero. But the key is to be able to decipher between the terrible stocks, the mediocre stocks, and the good ones, and to only buy the good ones, and go to chinchillapicking.com, find the article I wrote about how to grade an investment, your stocks, or how to grade a company, and use that, and, and you know, just buy it on the dips, and, and you should be fine, you should be fine with that. Uh, and you know that's a, maybe a little bit of an oversimplification as well. You can you can use discounted cash flow analysis. You can go by the 200-day moving averages. Whatever you want to do, just you know if you find a good stock, and a lot of this is judgment. If you find a good stock from a good company that's at a good value, then you buy it. It really doesn't matter what the global macroeconomic situation is. The numbers will point you to what you should do. But let's talk a little bit more about what Howard Marks has to say about these situations. When he says, The mood swings of the securities markets resembles the movement of a pendulum. Although the midpoint of its arc best describes the location of the pendulum on average, it actually spends very little of its time there. Instead, it is almost always swinging toward or away from the extremes. That's because, like I said, most of the money in the market is dumb. It's just the truth. I mean, how could you look this week? This week, we're pricing in a nuclear war. We're pricing in infinity dollars to buy a gallon of gas. And then today's 800 point increase in the Dow Jones Industrials. Not only that, but listen, commodities have the same cycles. Brent crude today 
dropped 13%. Now, it was a huge rally, like a, a rip-your-face-off kind of rally at the beginning of this year. So, of course, volatility is going to be high. And what's interesting is that Iraq said that they'll be willing to, to increase production of, of oil as long as, well, not as long as, but if OPEC asks... And the word is that the United Arab Emirates will support increased production by OPEC Plus as well. And they're going to need to. Last week, the International Energy Agency released 60 million barrels of oil from the world's reserves. But that's very little to compensate from the Russia supply of oil, which to the United States alone last year was over 220 million barrels. So we're definitely going to need to get it from somewhere. So it's increased drilling here in the United States, hopefully. Increased drilling across the world, and, and hopefully OPEC will step up to solve this problem as well. Time will tell. Time will tell. They did it back in 2013. I think it was 2013. Whenever the last time Russia invaded Crimea and uh, we needed oil to come down a little bit, OPEC increased the drilling and the production of oil. So hopefully they do it again this time. But you see these market swings all the time in commodities. You see it in stocks. There's short-term swings, there's medium-term swings, and then there's longer-term swings as well, and they kind of work together. They don't always move together, but you can watch them individually within each other. So your job as an investor is to take advantage of those swings. When things are going great, it's risk on. People often invest like they have no risk whatsoever. And of course, you know, Warren Buffett says when people are greedy, be fearful. On the other end of this, when people are being fearful, be greedy. That's my position right now. I'm not being super greedy, though. I'm starting to, you know, get more aggressive is what I'm doing. And I think that's the best position to be in. See the forest through the trees. What happens next? We know what's happening now. What happens next? And as Warren Buffett says, always bet on America. So speaking of Warren Buffett, let's get into his shareholder letter. He released this on February 26th, I think it was. I don't have the specific date here because I didn't do enough research. <laughs> Anyways, he has in his in his uh, letter here, uncharacteristically short, really. I mean, he has some Buffettisms here, of course. He says, Charlie and I are not stock pickers. We are business pickers because he uses stocks as businesses. He's a long-term investor. He's going through the financial statements, and and he's, he's doing the discounted cash flow analysis, trying to figure out what gains he can get out of the businesses that he owns year after year after year, right? So he owns a business. And he talks about Apple, his ownership of Apple through Berkshire Hathaway is only 5.55%. But we talked about this. Actually, our podcast is going on about a year now. So we're almost to our one-year anniversary. In the very first episode, if I remember correctly, I talked about last year's Warren Buffett shareholder letter where he talked about their ownership of Apple was going to continue to increase despite the fact that they didn't plan on buying any shares. But they didn't plan on selling it either. They're bullish on it, but Apple was going to buy back stock and that would increase the share ownership of Berkshire Hathaway or the percentage of the company that they own, rather. 
And that's what happened. So their ownership is a mere 5.55%. That's up from 5.39% just a year ago. And he says that increase sounds like small potatoes, but consider that each 0.1% of Apple's 2021 earnings amounted to $100 million. And then he goes on to say that we spent no Berkshire funds to gain more of those shares. Apple's repurchases did the job. And then he goes on to talk about dividends from Apple. Which is just crazy. Dave brought this up to me a couple weeks ago on the phone. We had a phone conversation. Apple paid Berkshire Hathaway $785 million in dividends last year. That's, that's crazy. And then he talks about Tim Cook here. He says, Tim Cook is Apple's brilliant CEO. And he quite properly regards the users of Apple products as his first love but all of his other constituencies benefit from Tim's marginal touch as well. So huge fan of Apple ownership is Warren Buffett. So am I. I've been bullish on Apple this whole time. Like my entire life. Well, not my entire life, but I'm too old. I'm too old to say my entire life because when I was born, Apple kind of sucked. And when I was growing up, Apple kind of sucked. But then the iPad came out, and the, well, the iPhone, the first iPhone, and then, you know, Steve Jobs taking back over the helm. The whole thing's history. He also talks about Pilot. Yeah, if you've ever been down south, get that Pilot coffee. We love it when we go down south. We love to go to Pilot because they have amazing coffee. And he says, since we purchased our Pilot stake in 2017, this holding has warranted equity accounting treatment. Early in 2023, Berkshire will purchase an additional interest in Pilot and that will raise their ownership to 80% and lead to our fully consolidating Pilot's earnings, assets, and liabilities in our financial statements. I'm bullish on Pilot, too. I'm, you know what? I'm bullish on Berkshire Hathaway. Uh, I own it. You'll have to pry it from my cold, dead hands if you ever want it, if you ever want it from me. Uh, another interesting thing here, Berkshire's balance sheet includes $144 billion in cash and equivalents. That's a lot of money. And he goes on to say about his ownership here of stocks right now and, and the fact that 20% of his portfolio currently is, and sometimes it even goes up to 30%, but it's 20% right now is cash of Berkshire Hathaway. And he says that that's always, always a thing for Berkshire Hathaway, always 80% equity. So it's not that 50-50 thing where you're 50 bonds, 50 equities, you know, or 60-40, whatever you want to say. But it, it's not, it's not nothing like that. He's super bullish on equities all the time. And he said his favorite position to be in, and he's been there a few times, is 100% in equities and businesses and stocks. 100%. That's what he likes to do. But they're 80% right now, and he said that's mostly because he is not seeing anything else to invest long-term in. They did buy more things last year. I uh, I noticed that, Ber you know, I mentioned this on the last episode, that Berkshire had bought more restoration hardware, or RH, whatever you want to call it, back in December. So they bought more things, but, but they really haven't found anything to put that $144 billion to use. I'm, I'm sure eventually they will.
Uh, he mentioned this first stock. This was an interesting thing for me to, to read. This was pretty cool. On March 11th, 1942, he purchased three shares of City Services preferred stock. He said that cost was around $114.75 a share. And it, re oh no, this was total. Their cost was $114.75 and required all of the savings. Look where he's at now. That's so crazy. He also says, and this is, of course, another Buffettism thrown in here, the Dow Jones Industrial Average that day closed at 99, a fact that should scream to you, never bet against America. Merk! After my initial plunge, he says, I always kept at least 80%, and this is what I was just talking about, I always kept at least 80% of my net worth and equities, my favored status, throughout that period was 100% and still is. And then he talks about the fact that you need to clear your calendar. If we can watch this online, I hope we can. I think we were able to do it last year. I think CNBC held it, but you had to pay for it, which uh, irritated me. Uh, anyway, it says clear your calendar. Berkshire will have its annual gathering of capitalists in Omaha on Friday, April 29th through Sunday, May 1st. I recommend watching this if you can. I think CNBC will cover it on TV, but usually they carry the whole thing online. Hopefully we can find it somewhere for free because I don't want to pay for it. Dave, I don't know how to end this show. You're not here. You're not here to do the closing. You know, I, I just realized at the beginning of this thing I was supposed to say something about being uplifting and educational or something. I didn't do it. Anyways, I hope I was that, and I hope Dave uh, shows up for the next episode. No, I'm just kidding. I know he's going to be here Friday, and I know he'll buy me dinner. I know he will after this gets out. It's just going to be too too embarrassing. He's going to have to do it. <sighs> Slave away at talking and listening to my own voice. I don't know what to say after that. So... I have no clothes for this show. I it's whatever, whatever. I'm I'm by myself. I hope you all have a good night. It, my final thought is here. Listen, I'll give you my final thought. Okay. You have to be able to see the forest through the trees. Yes, we are in a precarious situation, and it's hard not to get emotional about this. People are dying in Ukraine. It's a catastrophe. It's an absolute catastrophe. I'm saddened every time I see it. I hate it. It's terrible. It's a terrible thing to have to raise your kids in this in this world that that is like that. And um, my my thoughts and prayers and, and all that. And I know that's a that's a, a a phrase that people often make fun of, but it's true. What else can I do here from Cincinnati, Ohio? What else can I do? You know, just send them good vibes and um, you know donate where we can donate, you know, I'm sure, I hope, I hope no fraudulent donations arise out of this, they probably will, which is even worse, but I guess, I guess what you can do is you can donate money, anyways, it's hard not to get emotional about it, right, but, but you have to keep your emotions out of your investments, I mean, really, what does Microsoft have to do with Ukraine? And, right? Like, what's the point? What does meta platforms have to do with Ukraine? What does restoration hardware have to do with Ukraine? I understand tying these 
companies together with oil going to $5 a gallon. I completely understand that because $5 a gallon oil, if we get there, and, and maybe it even goes higher, who knows, that for sure will squeeze the margins of these companies. But a lot of these good companies are trading down right now. In the past uh, quarter, they've had expanding margins, and it's one of the reasons why I've picked them was the expanding margins and safe margins, safe net margins and safe gross profit margins. And they're not going to go to zero. You know, they're not going to break you. They will go higher again. Can I tell you when? No, not at this point. We're not trading on technicals here. We're trading on emotion and we're trading on fear. And, uh, you know, and then relief from fear when we have days like this, days like today, when we rebounded 800 points on the Dow. We will get through this. We will, okay? Stop panicking. Don't sell your position in a good company because it's dropped because of this. Right? If you're there, you write it out. And if you've been listening to us, I've been telling you, keep one-third of your cash on sidelines. I think you could start putting some to work now. Um, because of the nature of the situation, because of how um, you know this is a geopolitical thing, there's so many politics and it. it does become unpredictable. So I'm not going to tell you to go ahead and, you know, go to Warren Buffett's favorite position, which is 100%. Uh, I think you do need to be careful. And you, but you can start dabbing into, into these good stocks. You can go to Microsoft and buy in. Apple's held up. I predict this is the one thing that I predicted that so far <laughs> that's been correct. And I think there would have been a lot more predictions that would have been right had uh, Russia not invaded Ukraine, we still would have had the headwinds of the Fed raising rates and we still would have had a tough year this year. But I think a lot more, I think a lot more of these stocks would be holding up a heck of a lot better. And, and I think that should go without being said. But, you know, it is unpredictable. So I, I think you just start dabbing back into, into the market at these levels and you will be fine. Okay, it's all going to be all right. Well, that's all. That's my final thought, and I hope you have a good night, and I will see you, and Dave, I will see you too, buddy, on Friday.